another day Another dollar Makes you wonder where your money went You can scream And you can holler Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Today is Veterans Day, November 11th, 2008. And folks, this is episode 90. 90 shows we've done together uh, since late this summer. And uh, I'm really proud of that, and we're coming up to our 100th episode. In a way, I wish today was our 100th episode, because today's going to be a special show. Today's not going to be about how you can survive. It's not really going to be about politics, other than how politics sometimes play into the life of a soldier. It's today is Veterans Day. I am going to talk about what it means to be a veteran, and some of the things that our soldiers, our sailors, our airmen, our Marines, and even our Coast Guard do for us on a daily basis that's unseen and seldom seldom seen in any any light of of, of the glory of combat and and I use that term hesitantly because I, I don't really believe there's anything glorious about combat I just know that whenever we stop and recognize our troops we recognize our frontline combat troops generally first and that's what we think of and especially people that don't have military members in the family uh, the 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 people that are kind of one step away from uh, direct contact with any military personnel, uh, really look at it and go, okay, well, it's the combat troops that, that do everything. And, and they, those guys get a huge, huge amount of, uh, of uh, thank you from me. Uh, and I think for most of America. But I think it's important maybe we look at the whole system of the military and understand how it works. And uh, the sacrifices that, are, that very, very young people make, uh, sometimes sacrifices they don't even understand or appreciate themselves until many years later. And I'll try to relate some personal experiences to you uh, of some things that you just would never know unless you were there. Uh, about people and the things that they do and the sacrifices they make and the hardships that they endure. And seldom will they come back to you and expect pity or sympathy or a handout. And generally speaking, I'm going to ask you to do something today, which is to find a veteran somewhere. Anybody that served, that wore the uniform of their country with honor and, and, and stepped up and did what, what they were asked. Uh, and what, in many cases, they were not even asked. They volunteered to do. They just say thank you. But... Just about any soldier you'll find, any sailor you'll find, any airman, any marine, whether they were, you know, something as 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 humble as a cook, which may not be as humble a job as as it, it, it maybe it shouldn't be as humble as we look at it and see it. And I'll talk about that in a bit. Um, or as is uh, is you know as front line as is a Delta Force soldier. Um, just about any of them. When you say thank you. We'll say they appreciate it, but they'll get a very um, almost embarrassed look. And I'll tell you what that look is, folks. It's, no, there's people that deserve this more than I do. That's what that guy's thinking when you tell him thank you. And when you put your hand on his shoulder and say, hey, man, I appreciate what you did. He's thinking, not me. 
there's there's people that did so much more than I did. And you'll find that from the guy that, that you know, sat behind a desk in South Carolina and never deployed. He'll feel that way. And you'll you'll see the guy that lost a leg and he'll feel the same way. And it's it's something that's hard to understand if you haven't been there. But before we go into today's show, I have a couple things to let you know about. Uh, one is very exciting. And that is we have our first real sponsor for the Listener Appreciation Contest. And I'm not going to give away anything today. I'm going to announce today that on Friday's show there will be a chance for you to win. So everybody's got a heads up to be waiting for Friday's show. I'm not going to tell you which number of email it's going to be or what the code word or anything like that's going to be. I'm just going to tell you that I'm going to be giving away the first of these prizes on Friday's show at some point during the show. So make sure you tune in Friday. Uh, but the company is SOE Tactical Gear, uh, run by a gentleman named John Willis. And uh, John makes all types of web gear and tactical harnesses and things like that. And I'll put a link to his website from this podcast. And uh, if I can come up with some kind of little banner or button or something for him, I'll put something on the site for a while for him, too, for sponsoring the contest. And John came up with something that I think is really cool, and I held off on telling you guys about it for a couple of days because I want to not only give some of these away with the contest, I want to see if we can get people out there active and involved in using these things to do something really cool. What John created is a stocking, like a Christmas stocking. They're fairly large, but they're camo or black or OD green. They're tactical looking. They have tactical web gear, little loops and stuff, and Velcro on them on the on the outside. And they look like, honestly, they were built out of somebody's, you know, tactical uniform. All right. Really, really cool. And I think that right now, with all the problems the economy has, this country needs more than ever the creative of small business, the creative ingenuity of small business entrepreneurs. And this is one of the most creative things I've ever seen. John sent three of them to me: one for my wife, one for my son, and one for uh, myself. And we're going to keep those. And, and I appreciate that gift, John. And if you're listening, thank you so much. And again, John's website is soetacticalgear.com. Please. Uh, Give this guy some web traffic and see if there's anything there maybe you can uh, you can buy to thank him for his support of our show. Uh, but he also sent me 15, uh, like an OD green, kind of a little bit brighter of a, of a tactical green, and uh, five that are, are camel, so five of each color. I'm not sure if I'm going to give them away in lots of three or one or what have you, but I'm going to give them all away over the coming weeks, and I'm going to keep pushing this idea that I have to go along with it. Whether you win or not, why not go? over to SOE Tactical Gear and buy a dozen or so of these stockings, fill them up with candy, nuts, beef jerky, stuff like that, and send them to soldiers. And let's run a program together called Stockings for Soldiers. And let's see how much business we can give to this guy who came up with this cool idea and how much recognition we can give to our soldiers all over the world just with a simple little gift like that. And let me tell you, it's perfect it's a perfect way to deliver stuff to them. They'll appreciate it more than you can know. So I'll set up a forum thread about this, let you guys run with it. I cannot captain the ship on this thing. All I can do is come up with the idea, put it out there to you guys, and see if someone can figure out a place these things can be sent for distribution or what have you. I don't know if it's the Red Cross. I don't know who we do that with. I'm sure one of our listeners can, can help coordinate at least where they need to go. And uh, maybe we can get a thread going, show Showing all the you know your stockings with the stuff you put in them and stuff like that, and just send them off to soldiers with a little note that says, "Hey, I know it ain't much, but we appreciate you." It 
to make a big difference in people's lives. So Stockings for Soldiers, uh, sponsored by the Survival Podcast and SOE Tactical Gear. And if you want to win some of these for your own household or maybe to give to your own special soldier, tune in Friday. We'll be giving away the first of them. Uh, now on to kind of today's topic, which is Veterans Day. And I want to tell you guys something about Veterans Day that I think a lot of people maybe heard in history class, but it's long since been pushed to one of your back brain cells and kind of forgotten about. And that's why it's November 11th. What is significant about November 11th? November 11th for a long time was actually just known as Armistice Day. It was the end of the Great War, which at one time, the Great War, uh, the war to end all wars, was what we now call World War I, uh, which ended on November 11th, 1918, officially at 11 a.m. in the morning, or 0100 for you military types. Now, it's no coincidence that it was the 11th month, on the 11th day, on the 11th hour, in fact, the people that worked out the armistice between France and Germany, uh, the, the, you know, uh, and, and England and the United States and Canada by this point, um, with the Western Front, kind of along the way as they were working out the agreement and the peace treaty and everything else and coming up with everything that everybody was willing to agree to to end the war, uh, realized that this day was going to be you know, kind of right there. It was going to be right around the 11th day of November. And they looked at it and they went 11th month, 11th day. Why not 11th hour? And they planned it that way. And that, you know, so there could be this great decree that the guns fail silence on the 11th month at the 11th day, on the 11th hour. And it sounds glorious, right? When you hear it, if you heard like a James Earl Jones voice say that and watched guns go silent. Well, what World War I should have taught us is that war is not glorious. War is bloody, it's nasty, and it should be avoided at all costs. And it should be a, an article of last resort, not a first response. Because young men and women die. And because people come home maimed. And because men do things to each other that should never be done on our planet in time of war. Because they're put into a situation where they have to. But clearly by the end of World War I, we hadn't learned that lesson because we let idiots, just like some of the idiots running our governments today, idiots decide that it was cool to be the 11th month of the 11th hour, or the 11th day of the 11th hour. And because of that, Thousands of people died who did not have to. You see, by the time that was made a decision, um, there was no longer any doubt as to what the outcome was going to be. And I got a jerk in the left lane over here. Here you go, buddy. All right, folks, let me get back to being serious. What a jackass. Right in the middle of my veteran show, too. Anyway, that's the hazards of being in a mobile podcast. If you haven't tuned in before, I always do this show on a commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas. Anyway, because of that decision, thousands of men died. In fact, about 15 minutes um, before the official end of the war, I don't remember if it was a German group or a French group or whomever, but some commander decided to make the last charge of the war and took his men up out of the trenches across the field and killed enemy soldiers and lost many of his own. And his soldiers, who knew that the guns were about to fall silent, still went with him. And that says something about the bonds that men form in war and a willingness to do something that really doesn't make sense because it's what you're commanded to do. 
And because of all this, a lot of people, not recently, but a long time ago, before this lesson was really lost on our, our youth, and I think most people today, if you asked them about the time they graduated from high school about any of this, would probably not remember it and not know it and probably aren't even taught it anymore. I don't know, I haven't been to school for a long time, but I, I doubt that that message is really taught that way anymore. But when it was, there were people that said, maybe this isn't a good day for Veterans Day. Maybe there's a better day for Veterans Day than a day that was put together by French and German government officials that cost the lives of so many men for something that didn't matter, for something that was honestly a stupid idea. And actually, I think today's a great day for Veterans Day because it reinforces how many of our soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines have to do things that don't make sense because somebody in authority over them, usually a civilian in the government, makes a stupid decision. And it goes back to the creed of the soldier, which is ours is not to reason why. Ours is only to do or die. And you would be able to finish that if you didn't want it to rhyme with while trying to do what we were asked to do. You see, a soldier, an airman, a marine, a sailor, we're not given the option to not do something because it's stupid or it doesn't make sense, or even if it's wrong. If it's not clearly immoral or illegal and you're given an order, you follow it. And that's what 17 and 18 year old kids that hold up their hand and solemnly swear to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States and obey the orders of the officers appointed over them, the President, if they're in the National Guard, the Governor. They take that oath, 17, 18, 19 years old. They're trained for six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, depending on what branch of service they're in. They're put in a uniform, they're sent off to school to learn their individual trade, and then they're sent to all parts of the world to do whatever they're asked to do by people that they've gone to protect. And even when it doesn't seem like what they're doing is directly protecting us, that's what makes them willing to do it. There's two things that motivates a deployed soldier. One is home. Home is the most important thing to a soldier. And without home, nothing really else will matter. And it's protecting home and knowing that one day I'll go home that matters more to a soldier than anything else you can, you can possibly think of. And the other thing is the guy next to you or the woman next to you. The person that you're there with that you have to help get their mission done and help them make it through whatever you're going through. Whether it's trying to figure out how to get supplies to hungry soldiers from a logistical standpoint or how to get out of a firefight, it's still always about the person next to you. That's what it's really about. And what I wanted to point out today is not so much, and I don't want to in any way come off like I am uh, belittling the contribution of the combat troops because they are the front line. And everything that I'm going to tell you about today exists for one reason, to support the combat troop. In other words, the cook, the mechanic, the supply person, they don't exist so that people can wear the uniform, be a soldier, and not go into harm's way. That's not why they exist. Nobody didn't just create those jobs to give people that kind of wanted something to do but didn't want to do all of it a place. They exist to support the combat unit. You take away the frontline infantry, you take away the Army Ranger, the Special Forces, Marine Recon, Marine ta Tank Battalions, the Navy Battle Groups, the F-16 pilot in the Air Force, the YF-22 pilot in the Air Force, 
the C-130 pilot in the Air Force. All right, that flies the Spectra gunships. You take away all the combat units, and they don't need a supply person. They don't need a medic. They don't need a cook. They don't need a mechanic. All right, all of these positions in all the branches of military exist so that the combat troop can do its job. And I think we forget about those people. Or you talk to somebody and you go, "Yeah, well, when we're in the Oz, didn't during Gulf War One, and well, what were you? I was a mechanic. Oh, okay." And that's what I did, folks. I was a mechanic. And then people are like, oh, all right. Well, well you know what? The, the people that were mechanics and supply sergeants made Gulf War One the success that it was. Because they made sure the vehicles rolled. They made sure that people got their ammunition. That people got fed. That the military could move that fast. So, no, they're not risking their lives in the same degree as the guy that's in the, the Abrams tank. But they're sticking their neck out there and they're doing something for all of us. And we tend to forget how valuable what that is. We forget what our soldiers do in peacetime. Back in 1992, I was deployed with a group of combat engineers into the Aguan River Valley of Honduras. There was no mortars flying, there were no missiles, nobody was shooting at us except the occasional pissed off farmer that was angry that we were on their land. It wasn't a war zone, a combat situation, or anything like that. We were sent there into the middle of nowhere, to one of the most remote areas I've ever seen in my life, that was both harsh, brutal, and beautiful at the same time. We lived in tents, we lived in the dust, and everybody walking around in this this volcanic ash soil looked like pig pen from Charlie Brown with little clouds of dust around them. And we endured that, and our mission was to build 10 miles of road and culverts in a place where there were no roads and culverts so that the people that lived there could receive supplies and food. And we had six months to build the road, and we were told when we went there, men, if you don't get it done in six months, we'll be here seven. If you don't get it here done in seven, we'll be here eight. We need to get this road done. If you get it done in five, we can all pack up and we can go back to to Panama. Which for us, when we were deployed to Honduras, Panama was a pretty nice place uh, to want to be. We really wanted to get back to Panama. So we went to work and we worked hard and we finished that road in just under five months. We, we had the, you know, the engineer guys go up and down the road, run sonic testing to make sure everything was compacted right, everything was done right, and we got the road certified as being completed. It wasn't quite five months. We had a choice. We already had our deployment set up at, at six months, and we could wait for that to come and stay and find something to do, or we could go ahead and accelerate our deployment back to Panama. In the end, the commanders, after talking to the sergeants, decided that, you know what? These men were motivated and they were willing to do more. And they'd already been here this long, so why not finish the full term of the deployment? And there was some grumbling, but basically the soldiers got behind it. And for the next month, we built schools. We built schools for, for children that had never seen a school. We built schools that were better housing than the houses that they lived in. And they were simple buildings built out of uh, cinder blocks and mortar, plywood walls, interior. But they were a place where kids could go and learn. Instead of sitting around under a tree to learn, they actually had a place where when it rained, and it rains a lot in the Hunter and Rainforest, where they would be protected, where they would be safe. 
and we did that for a month. And we built a lot of schools in that area, and we built some community centers, and we built some other structures that would be used by the little local town governments. We made a difference in people's lives, and that's not about me. I sat around in the motor pool and I worked on trucks and I worked on forklifts and I worked on scrapers and I turned a wrench and that's what I did. These other guys, they went out and they ran cranes and they put these huge culverts in and they risked their lives. And I do mean risked their lives. There was one truck that was brought to me and they said, you need to do uh, a COD on this, which a COD is a cost of damage assessment. And basically what you're doing is you're determining if the damage to the vehicle is so extensive that its repair would outweigh the cost of replacing it. And uh, this was a five-ton dump truck. And if you've ever seen the dump trucks with the big... uh, uh, pieces of the dump bed that extend over the cab of the truck, well that piece above the cab of the truck had been smashed down into the truck. Uh, what had happened is the guy driving it had had to go into a place where we hadn't actually built the road yet. It was some kind of like a trail to bring some gravel in. And when he did that, uh, that trail kind of gave out and the truck tumbled end over end down a very steep bank. And when I looked in there, I, I couldn't believe that when I was told that the guy that was driving it was actually alive, had been medevaced out to Sudacano and from there uh, would be taken to Texas, uh, to San Antonio, to San Antonio Medical Center for further treatment. Uh, he had broken his feet bones, his leg bones, his ankles, his knees, his pelvis had been shattered, uh, his shoulder on one side had been completely shattered, his arms had been broken, both of his hands. Uh, they said he would probably be lucky to regain the use of his uh, his uh, faculties above his waist. He would spend the rest of his life in a wheelchair. Uh, but he would probably survive with a lot of complications. We never really heard more about that man. I didn't really know him. It was a fairly large unit I was deployed with over uh, 800 people. And we were a logistical support element for that, that battalion. I don't know whatever happened to him. But I know that on the side of a hill in Honduras, when nobody was shooting at him, when no one had a gun, when everybody would have looked at it and said, yeah, he's just a construction worker, he sacrificed a lot of his life so that people somewhere else could have a better one. And I don't even know his name. I just know his truck. And I have a picture of that truck. And every time I open my old photo album and I look at that vehicle, I think of that man that I've never seen, whose name I don't know. Because at the time that I was doing that, I was 18, 19 years old. And I didn't really understand the sacrifice at the time. It was just a truck that I had to work on. Because just like that man, I was still a kid. That's who we have all over our world right now. And I want you to understand how proud we should be. Of everybody from the guy that risks his life in the dark with a sniper rifle. Down to the cook. That makes sure that sniper gets fed with hot chow when he comes in from that long mission. And there's a lot of bravado in the military, and everybody thinks that their group, that their unit, is a little bit better than everybody else's group. There's even bravado among the cooks and the supply people. The cooks say, hey, without us, you wouldn't eat. The supply people say, hey, without us, you wouldn't have anything to feed them, and they wouldn't have any bullets. Right? And there's all this this machismo and this attitude, and even some animosity among groups within the military, but it's all because of one thing. They're proud about what they do. They believe in what they do. And in the end, in the end, when they're all put together, 
Our military is the most awesome force ever put together on the planet. And sometimes I may seem like I'm not real happy with what our military is doing. I'm always happy with what our soldiers are doing. I'm always happy with what our sailors are doing. I am always happy with our airmen. I am always happy with our Marines. I am right now unhappy with a lot of the people in our government. And I'm hoping I don't become more unhappy with them in the future. I have a bad feeling about some of the things that our soldiers, airmen, etc. are going to be asked to do in the near future. But I'll never stop pulling for them, and you shouldn't either. So my challenges for you today are, think about it, stockings for soldiers. Give John Willis some business. Support an entrepreneur who's been creative during an economic downturn. Send the guy some business. Buy some stockings. At the same time, fill them up with good stuff, candy, stuff that can handle temperature change, folks. Don't send chocolate bars, right? Nuts, beef jerky, any other little trinkets. Hopefully somebody will step up and kind of you know coordinate this, not really with a huge effort. Just if you could find a place where something like this can be sent, where it's expected to be received and we know it will be distributed to soldiers somewhere in the world. That would be really cool. The other thing is find, find someone today that served. Shake their hand and tell them thank you. And I don't mean by email. Find someone that you can personally walk up to and say thank you to. Don't skimp out on it. I guarantee you, with the millions of men and women that have served over the years in this country, somewhere around you is one of them. And the reason I want you to do it in purpose, or in person, is I want you to see the way that maybe a big man or a tough woman turns bashful. Won't make eye contact with you after you say the words thank you. Because they believe that someone else deserves it more. That's important. It's important for the soldier to hear. And it's important for you, if you're a civilian, to understand. And you won't understand it unless you do it. And I can tell you from personal experience that every time someone does it, it matters. So today, the 11th day of the 11th month, on the 11th hour, the guns fell silent. And men died so that we would have those words to ring throughout history because somebody somewhere thought they were cool. And that's just one example of sacrifices that have been made by soldiers all across the world for countries all across the world so that somebody else could have something cool to talk about. When you thank a soldier, what you're saying is what you do matters in spite of some of the things like that that you're forced to endure. Again, this has been Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live a better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. Take a moment today and thank a soldier. You can scream and you can holler. It really doesn't matter because it all gets spent.